this is a movie I had not seen since I had last seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jeremy. Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantee is implied. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Dicer and Jeremy Scott. One time I ate a legal pop brownie when Model UN went to Amsterdam. And as soon as I got high, I just cried about the fact that one day my mom will die. So I had the exact same thing. Really? I lost my virginity in what I thought was a park, but it turned out to be a graveyard, and now the ghost spirits live inside my eggs, waiting to be reborn. It's not at all the same. I always felt like we were similar. Welcome, everybody. Hello, this is Recotopia, episode 73. Today's big recommend is Booksmart. I'm Jeremy Scott. I'm Dicer. He's Dicer. And <laughs> a special shout out to the chat. We weren't sure uh, we were going to have any chat today. It is a holiday as we record this, July yeah. 4th in America. Uh, but we do have chatters in here. And thank you guys for spending part of your holiday with us. And uh, I'm looking forward to discussing Booksmart. We always like to start with some small recommends. Aaron, mm-hmm. do you have any small recommends today? Oh boy, oh boy, do I. It's no big deal. It's so small and light. It's small, it's tiny, it's petite, it's wee. Uh, let's start with the movie. Uh, Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. Uh, got a chance to catch up on this one. Um, and uh, this comes to us from uh, Kelly Freeman Craig uh, directs it, who you may know uh, from The Edge of Seventeen, which uh, I think we Excellent. both really, really enjoyed. Yep. This is another coming of age tale. It is, of course, based on the Judy Bloom novel of Oh So Long Ago, and it's really, really good. Um, I think one of the main things I like about it is the central performance from uh, Abby Ryder Fortson um, as the titular Margaret, uh, Margaret, uh, is really good and also feels so authentic to that age. So many times in movies, when I see like an adolescent, uh, man or an adolescent woman, it feels like they are older than they're being portrayed to be, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the 12 year olds look 16 and the 16 year olds look 19. And you know, that's just kind of how it goes. Uh, and it really felt like not just her, but all the characters around her felt really age appropriate mm. and dealt with all the things the book deals with about what it means uh, to go through adolescence as a young woman. And uh, it's really good. Add to that Rachel McAdams uh, as the mom who is good in everything, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, it's just, it's a, a good time. Um, so it's really interesting. I love movies like this because it's easy to say, well, I've never, I've never been an adolescent young woman. So how mm. does it apply to me? Whereas I think the opposite take is the one that, that I love, which is I've never been an ad- adolescent young woman. What's that like? How can yeah. I find empathy for that experience? And I think this movie handles that really, really well. So. It's a good perspective, it's good. Aaron. It's a good perspective. Oh, thanks. thanks. A lot of people have the opposite perspective. I don't <laughs> want nothing to do with something that ain't got something to do with me. Uh-huh. Uh, this leads fairly well into my first small recommend, uh, which is a brand new Netflix movie called Nimona. And friends, this movie is magical. It's so um, good. You've seen it. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. Did you see it a while back or did you just? I saw it yesterday. 
Okay, excellent. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Um, this is probably the best animated movie Netflix has released to date, and they've put out some good ones. Um, this is a story about... Uh, how did I describe this without ruining it? Uh, <laughs> a young shapeshifter um, who wants to be um, a sidekick to a villain. Um, she is young enough uh, that her aspirations for villainy uh, are adorable. It's not played as bloodthirsty, but the guy she chooses to be her villain master is somebody the entire world in this movie thinks is a villain and killed their queen, but he didn't actually do it. He was framed, and he's not a villain. Um, and I don't want to say too much more. I really don't, because it's such a discovery. Um, I'm, I was laughing out loud for 40, 45 minutes, uh, and then my brain went, dude, pay attention to what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Because while it is hilarious, this is the strongest pro-LGBTQ themed movie I've seen in ages. It is right up in your face. If this was released by Disney, which it almost was, we'll talk about that later, uh, I feel like there would be people on Twitter like throwing a massive fit about this movie right now. Uh, and for some reason, Netflix's reputation uh, doesn't garner that kind of reaction uh, for LGBTQ-related content. Um, and about halfway through the movie, I turned to my wife and I said, oh my God, this movie is also about the Catholic Church. Um, <laughs> and um, then at the end of the movie, at the climax of the movie, I shed tears. I was moved. Um, it's, just, it's just rare. It's just really rare to see a movie for me that can both make me laugh out loud and be moved to tears um, all in the same you know, hour and a half. Um, I, I'm going to watch it again and again. Uh, this was a Blue Sky film. Disney bought Fox, which owned Blue Sky, and ultimately shut Blue Sky down. Disney would never have released this movie anyway um, because Disney's idea of being inclusive is to, like, have two characters in the far background, like, <laughs> their noses, and that's the end. But uh, Annapurna? Emma, I don't know how to say the name of that studio they came in revived it brought in two of the creative people who had helped shape it and made the film and netflix came in and said yeah we like this we're going to put this movie out and uh i can't recommend it enough this will 100 percent be a big recommend on recotopia before the end i guarantee it. uh well then i won't say too much um other than i i also really really enjoyed it i think the uh, voice casting of riz ahmed is really stellar here in Chloe yep. Grace Moretz for that matter. Uh, I think they, they both do great work. Um, I will just say this, that I think there's a central relationship that speaks to what you're talking about, about the boldness of the representation and in, inclusion and those kind of things. But I think the broadness that you're talking about with it being about the Catholic church as well is because the movie speaks to a central core of what it means to be human, which is being othered. And, and there are so many of us who feel othered for one reason or another that I think almost anyone can watch this movie and see themselves in it and yep. feel those emotions of, I know what that feels like. I know. And, th and again, that's, that's the beauty of film for me is that is, you know, knowing that, that empathy. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't know that I've, I don't know that I've at least recently seen a movie 
this compellingly confront how we other each other uh, in such a a really direct and intricate way. The story is intricate. That's the it other is. thing. The story is really intricate, and it's it's really well done. So yeah, yeah. It's also about like forced history and mm -hmm. indoctrination. It's about yeah. all these things. Yes. Um, but yeah, I love it, love it, love it. Uh, do you have another small recommend this week for us, Mr. Dice? I do. To the world of television, uh, season 10 of Alone just started. Um, so I think about four episodes in, but I wanted to give another shout out to this show. Um, this is what many people thought Survivor was going to be when you know it first came out. Oh, people are going to be like, how are they going to survive? That's what Alone is. And... What makes it different for me and the reason I one of the things that elevates it uh, for me is this idea that in all of these other reality shows, survival based or otherwise, you're seeing somebody who looks like they're sitting alone on the beach. And if you were to pan out, you'd see three different cameras. Yeah. You'd see a lighting person. Probably you'd see like a producer. You'd see, you know what I mean? Like somebody holding a giant mirror. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So like this show, and I, and I, I believe them, I'm not saying there's nothing manufactured in the show. It is a reality show. And you know, there's always a way to communicate with producers for sure. sure. But this show, they really are alone. All the filming is done by them at their location. Now mm -hmm. I'm sure they have a human being who can be to them within minutes, you know, yeah. like I'm sure that can happen. Um, but it does add this interesting element of survival. They also usually are in cold weather climates. Now it'll start where it's a little bit, you know, uh, warmer, but it will move into winter. And that brings me to the third thing that I love about it. That's different. It's just last person standing. You mm. just survive as long as you can. And the last person standing wins. Uh, you can't you, under that format. You will, you can never know if you've won. Correct. And it's one of the funnest things, especially as you start to get towards the end, is people like doing the math, like how many of, our, of us are there left? How close am I? I really like I'm, I may need to quit, but, you know, I, I don't like it's just it's re it's a really interesting uh, psychological experiment as yeah. well as a physical survival one. So I always love this. Um, they are more well provided for in the beginning than most reality shows. In other words, they can bring, I think, 10 survival items oh, wow. with them. So they, you know, they'll bring a saw, bow and arrow, like they, they hunt. Um, and that's another thing, uh, especially if you're sensitive to hunting and, and wildlife and um, uh, catching your own food and cooking your own food. Uh, that is definitely something in this show that you'll need to be aware of. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really a, an interesting show for me. And I've, I've loved every single season of alone, except for one, Jeremy season four. You'll never guess what the conceit was of alone season four. Mm -hmm. I'll never guess. You'll never guess. Okay. Then tell me pairs. Oh, they teamed up. <laughs> yes. They took a show called alone famous for being a person alone and made it teams of two. What are you doing? Okay, anyway, Ranto. That's insane. Uh, <laughs> has there ever been anybody on a season of Alone? Like, you said this is season 10, so mm -hmm. has there ever been anybody who everyone else has tapped out and they don't know it and they keep going for months and months okay, and so months? How it, so how it ends is a little different than that. So they have every couple days... They will do like uh, med checks and interviews with the producers. We don't usually see these, right? So if you are the last person standing, when it is your normal med check 
interview time or whatever. I mean, technically it's just MedCheck. I don't even think they usually film interviews or whatever. What they will do is one of your loved ones will have been flown out. And so during your MedCheck, you will be surprised by a loved one and that's how you know you actually won the show. So they don't leave you out there until you're, you know, done. If you're the last one standing, they'll, you know, at your next med check, they'll let you know. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, that's good to know because I was thinking about this guy who was out there for months and months and months. <laughs> yeah. Just right now there's continuing there's, to survive. There's still a guy from season five that's still out there. They check in on him every once in a while during oh. the first a few of the you know the further seasons. But uh, <laughs> uh my second small recommend uh is uh the Fablemans. I I'm pretty sure Chris recommended this on a previous episode, but he's not here today. So uh I would like to talk about my Fableman's journey because the first time I saw this movie I thought it was just okay. Uh, I watched it with my brother and my wife, and my wife really liked it. And my brother and I were like, yeah, that was, that was good. And I think what happened is I wanted a different movie than what he made. Uh, I wanted Steven Spielberg, film director, every single bit of his learning mm. and experience and knowledge. and Like a biopic. Almost, yeah. yeah. And it's this movie is not that. It uses uh, a fictionalized version of what I think is a pretty accurate version of his childhood. Uh, it's not a story about my movie maker. It's a story about family and mothers and sons and fathers and sons. And uh, I watched it again uh, about a week ago uh, and, and had a, just a wildly different experience. Uh, and I was able to see all the beautiful acting work which is pretty subtle um, other than Judd Hirsch. And um, even Seth Rogen, um, I think, is surprisingly good in this movie. And uh, so, yeah, I would, I would recommend this movie wholeheartedly now. It's probably, I would call it the best Spielberg I've seen in years. I think it's better than West Side Story. Um, what, did he make, what did he make before West Side Story? Uh, well, there was the post. Yeah, it's better than that. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I, once I shed uh, the idea of what I had originally thought this movie was and, and kind of went in knowing it's not going to be that, I was able to, to see what he was really trying to say. Um, and, you know, I don't really think it's a movie about him. Uh, if anything, I think it's a movie about his mother. But um, really enjoyed it, uh, found it a lot more human and relatable. And so The Fablements. That's my other small recommend. Yeah, it's it's interesting because for me, what I what I realized is it's the story not of him, it's the story of how he became the him, like how he sees yes. the world, right? Right from the beginning, we're were shown what movies did for him. They they conquered a fear for him. So you get yep. the sense now when you look at any Steven Spielberg movie that he's wrestling with his own anxieties, he's wrestling with his own fears and the idea of him being like opening up this part of his childhood is one of his biggest fears. So it's like, it's almost this like uh, recursive uh, kind of uh, emotional catharsis that he's doing uh, in this. It's so like, um, what do they call it? Um, a Morbius strip, Mobius strip. Thing, you know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. Yeah. That turns back in on itself. It's like that. Yeah, Mobius. Definitely not Morbius. Morbius. Uh def definitely Mobius. It's Morbin time, Aaron. <laughs> uh um, Ready Ready Player One was actually the one directly before uh West Side Story. 
And uh, I don't like Ready Player One. And then the Post, then the BFG, uh, and then Bridge of Spies, and then Lincoln. That's and a good one. Lincoln's really good. All right, everybody, it's time to dive into this week's big recommend. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just that you're so big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I noticed. This week, we're talking about Booksmart. This is a movie I had not seen since I had last seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jeremy. <laughs> um, I saw it uh, when it came out, and then I bought it on Amazon and watched it one time, and that was probably four or five years ago. I'm happy to say that I still really, really, really enjoy this movie. It's still really relatable. Um, it is uh, a very human story with outrageous behavior it's a female super bad if you want to call it that but we start with molly and amy molly and amy are our two key characters molly is beanie feldstein amy is caitlin Deaton. um and they're gonna go to school um amy has pulled up to pick up molly from school this is probably one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is you're hearing this dance song and like she gets out of the car and they start dancing and Beanie Feldstein starts dancing and then the music cuts out because there's no music in real life and they're still dancing and they're like, hey, we got to go to school or what? And it's just outright adorable. And if you don't fall in love with these two and their friendship right out of the gate, you're going to have a bad time um, <laughs> because the movie really... <laughs> what kind of human are you really? <laughs> <laughs> really keys in on it. Um, so it's the last day of school, tomorrow's graduation. And... Um, <clears throat> We learn some key information here right out of, the, out of the gate. We learn that Amy has a crush on a girl named Ryan, who's kind of a skater girl. Um, and we learn that people don't really have much respect for Molly and Amy, specifically Molly. Molly's in the bathroom. Apparently, this high school has co-ed bathrooms. I don't know what's going on there. But she overhears a couple of guys and a girl uh, who is Molly Gordon from the bear season two mm -hmm. um <clears throat> talking shit about her she's right there in the bathroom and they're saying all this terrible stuff about her uh and she comes out um she's very confident she says oh don't stop on my account uh she's absolutely owning the moment and she says i you know i may be lame but you know going to yale and i'm gonna do this and that and here's my gpa and here's my recommendations and then the whole hook, the inciting incident of the entire movie um, is when she finds out that all three of these people have incredible futures lined up. Uh, one uh, is going to Yale. Um, that's Molly Gordon. I don't remember her character's name. Triple A is what they call her. It's Annabelle. Annabelle, yes. And another one of the guys uh, is going to, I don't know, another awesome school. And then another dude is skipping college because Google's hiring him on like a six-figure salary. And she Mid has six a, figures, he says. Mid yes. six figures. Uh, this absolutely wrecks her entire worldview. She goes out of the hallway and starts running up to people, going, Where are you going to college? Where are you going to college? Where are you going to college? And they all are going to an awesome college. Um, and then uh, the, the hallway descends into, I don't know, like a riot slash water balloon fight. And she gets hit in the face with a water balloon. I. I have been through many last days of school, <clears throat> including my senior year of high school, and I never saw a hallway turn into that kind of pandemonium once in my life. But 
Well, I think in this movie, if you're going to try to compare it to the real world, you're in trouble. Uh, <laughs> and, and I have, and I had some of that trouble the first time I watched the movie. I'm like, I don't know any high school like this ever. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, um, you know, starting with the co-ed bathrooms. Um, <laughs> then we cut to a scene where they're up on this hillside, uh, and Molly isn't talking, and Amy is hilariously singing a song about "I'm concerned about you," and maybe I should call nine one one. Uh, and then Molly reveals what she's learned. And she's like, you know, we never went to parties. We skipped every single fun thing because we had this goal of getting into these schools, you know, Yale. And I think Amy's going to Columbia. They did all the partying and they're getting into the good schools too. Like we failed. We wasted our time. <laughs> yeah. So you could, they can do both. So they decide to pack four years worth of rebellious partying behavior into one single night. Um, and, uh, they don't know where the party is. Uh, that's, you know, a key high school movie plot point that shows up again and again. Got to find the party. Um, and I don't mind in this movie because the party's not a MacGuffin. Like once we get to the party, that's where all the payoff happens. Um, so they call Jared, calls himself Bear. He's a weird, rich kid, um, who always says hi to them for some reason. And they think it's weird, but. They think he might know where the party is, and he comes to pick them up. Um, And he takes them to his yacht, uh, where he is throwing his own party. And I want to point out, Jared's party is actually rad. Jared's party is (laughs) amazing. Aside from the lack of human beings, but yes. There's just only one person there, and his girlfriend, who we've been told already is just, you know, using him as basically a gopher. Um, There's no one there, but the food sounds awesome. The dance floor is awesome. Um... It's an awesome party, but there's no one there. Well, I will tell you that this uh, Skylar Gazondo is the uh, actor who plays that role. Yeah. And uh, he's also in The Righteous Gemstones, and he is hilarious in that show. I really like him. In fact, this whole movie, like watching it again, I was like, I know all of these people from things in the future now. Like, yeah, it's, it's yeah, kind of one of those real. movies. Yeah, um, but he's also in that Ed Helms vacation movie that's terrible that I love, yeah. and he's really funny in that. Yeah. Um, so Gigi, Jared's girlfriend, she's insane. She jumps off the boat, and that's when Amy and Molly decide we got to get out of here. This is crazy. So they call like an, a Lyft, an Uber. I don't remember which one they're name checking, uh, and it turns out to be Jason Sudeikis, their principal, um, and he's overly chatty about his outside of school pursuits. Um, he's really into writing, basically. Mostly he's writing. Uh, he's got a lot of story ideas. ideas. <clears throat> and then they make one of the dumbest decisions I think I've seen in a long time, which is to pull up some female-on-female porn on one of their phones so that Amy can learn what Educational purposes, yes. Yes, what to do. It's educational. And so they put in earbuds, one of them each, and they're looking on the phone, and they're kind of making this face like, ew, it's kind of. And then their driver very helpfully says, Oh, if you want to listen to your music, I can turn the whole car on and blah, blah, blah. And they char- they, they plug their phone in to charge it. Uh, and so we get my favorite subtitle in all of movie history in this moment. <laughs> and it is, I quote, rapid squelching. Um, <clears throat> and that is the best way to describe the noise that comes through this car's speakers. And Not they're Cardi horrified. B. Yes, they're horrified. Um, he goes, uh, what does he say? Is that Cardi B? You just said mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, and he drops him off at the party. But guess what? It's the wrong party. This time they're at the theater guys party. I love the theater guys. Um, 
I I would be friends with those guys in real life. For sure. For, for sure. sure. Um, and they're doing a murder mystery party. Um, and there's a little hilarious bit where one of them refuses to break character when answering their questions about where they're at <laughs> and keeps accusing them of uh, things. But then they run into Gigi, who somehow, after jumping off the yacht, got to this party before them. Gigi is using a Star Trek transporter this entire movie. Well, Billy Lord wasn't supposed to be in as much of the movie as she is until they like started getting the dailies and they're like, okay, you're, you're going to be at all the parties. Oh, like. that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. Um, and she force feeds them strawberries. No, actually she did this back on the yacht. Uh, but then she says, I would have thought the strawberries would have kicked in by now. Uh, and that's where she tells him that she'd lace them with the drug. I don't know how to pronounce. And we get what I think is a pretty hilarious drug vision hallucination scene where they see themselves as sort of Barbie dolls. We get the Barbie movie. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I want everybody to know I went and Googled and they actually did stop motion for this. I thought when I was watching it this time through, sure. I paused it. I thought, yeah, they just animated this, right? No, they went and did stop motion for this whole thing. Um, and that's always a lot more effort. The, 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 the part where she takes her doll clothes off and starts admiring her doll body and sexualizing herself as a doll yes. is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a movie. It's both funny and unsettling. <laughs> and, yes, yeah, of course. And it's uh, it's awesome. So they have a brief argument. They remind each other they're both awesome. And then they decide, hey, we're smart. Let's go to the library to look up property records, which is actually pretty smart. Earlier in the movie, <laughs> Amy's trying to convince her that, you know, we're, we're rebellious. We have fake IDs. And Molly says, we have college fake IDs so that we can get into the 24-hour library. <laughs> um, and uh, I just think they're adorable. I would have, I was, I think part of the reason I connected these kids as an aside is that this was me. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't like set out to avoid fun and parties. I just didn't get invited um, because I was viewed as a nerd, as a guy who gets good grades and studies. Um, so even though I'm not female, um, I can really relate to these two characters, uh, even though I've never done anything they do on this night of insanity. <laughs> um, they actually end up finding a video, though, of the party with a shit ton of pizza boxes from Lido's. And that is how they realize they can find the party. So they go to Lido's Pizza, get the information by hiding in the back of the delivery guy's truck, car. He gives them an address and uh, they call for a ride, but then the ride shows up and it's their teacher, Miss Fine, who's a cool teacher. And she is also an Uber driver. Everybody in this movie has a side hustle. Oh, that's not that's not how I took it. I think they had her oh, they number from her. earlier in the movie right. and right. in a last gasp effort with 2% battery. Oh, left a message hoping that she would come get it's them. It's weird. I've got 15 paragraphs of notes. They're detailed as hell, but I put, I put the wrong details in, <laughs> and I leave out the ones I, I need. Anyway, I'm here for you, man. I'm here for you. I wrote, she, of all people, knows the correct address. Um, <clears throat> so they finally get to the actual party, and Chi-Chi is here Again, she has beaten them to yet another party. And I, I wrote, I guess that's part of the joke. Aaron has now enlightened me mm -hmm. as to how this happened. Uh, Amy immediately finds Ryan, the girl she's crushing on, and they kind of are hanging out. There's also going on an incredible Alanis Morissette karaoke performance <laughs> that reminded me of the kid in Can't Hardly Wait doing Guns N' Roses. I don't mm -hmm. know if 
you remember that. But um, and Amy thrives at karaoke. Molly starts bonding with her vice president, Nick, who's a dumb jock uh, that she's realized she has a crush on. Um, and they bond over Harry Potter houses, which I don't really care about that crap. Um, <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. but And uh, I actually hate just, the next scene. Just the way he was like, yeah, you are. amazing i uh the next scene i don't i i it's it's great i just hate it emotionally um amy follows ryan to the pool they both kind of disrobe a bit and jump into the pool and she swims underwater and then she comes up and finds her crush kissing a dude and it's nick of all people the guy that molly has a crush on so she's been crushing on a straight girl i have no context for that um but I imagine it's incredibly upsetting. Um, and uh, there is a lovely one shot as she gets out of the pool and puts on her dress and goes looking for Molly. And I feel like she's really frightened now. She wants to go home. Um, but then we have the big fight because the protagonists always have to have a fight at the third act. Uh, that is a movie requirement. Um, and she wants to leave, but Molly doesn't want to. And um, she calls Malala, which is their code word for basically, I'm so serious, you have to do what I'm asking. That's used earlier in the movie. Molly uses it to get Amy involved in this chasing the party. Um, but when Amy invokes it, Molly refuses. Uh, and then secrets kind of pour out. Amy's not going to college next year. She's taking a whole gap year. She didn't tell Molly because Molly plans every detail of their life down to the minute and it's very controlling um and the argument does this beautiful thing where it dissolves into piano music and silence um and it's pretty affecting because you can still read lips in some of the things that they're saying but you don't need to to know that they have started hitting deeper and deeper and deeper and they're saying things that'll be hard to take back um Amy runs away in tears to the bathroom and runs into Hope. Hope has been a dismissive jerk to her the entire movie um, until they start kissing. Um, and uh, I imagine this is also a difficult thing. If you're, you know, we're such a straight focused society, you know, that my experience wasn't anywhere near as difficult as it would have been for Amy to know I like this person. Do they like me? Do they like the same thing I like? It's just, just, I don't know. I just feel like this movie educates me, even though it's not necessarily trying to educate me. Uh, they start to have sex, and then Amy pukes all over Hope. Uh, and you know how much I love puke in movies. Um, but I can tell you from no experience, puke will always ruin sex. Um, I have not... <laughs> in that situation you are begging myself. for the wrong emails jeremy you are begging <laughs> for the wrong emails <laughs> um and then jared arrives in molly's darkest hour and kind of breaks down his facade and gets kind of real with her for a change and actually makes her feel better until she gets up and goes in the kitchen and sees she finally gets to see her crush kissing amy's crush uh and it's poetic injustice uh, and she leaves uh, then the cops show up at the party and Amy has some kind of a weird, I don't know, epiphany. And she decides, I'm going to be a badass. I'm not going to back down. I'm going to be a legend. Okay, everyone, I'm going to cause a distraction. And we don't actually get to see the distraction. We get to see her running towards the cops and then it cuts away uh, to Molly, who's walking home. Lo and behold, I think they're in L.A. 
But somehow, mm-hmm. AAA pulls up right beside Molly, her classmate. Says, hey, do you need a ride? And they have generally hated each other, so she's reluctant, but she does get in. Uh, and there's a pretty hilarious scene of them bonding and realizing that nobody is really who the school has decided they are. Um, uh, and I think that may be one of the main messages of the movie is that, you know, you, you get to be in charge of that, like who you're going to be, um, no matter what the labels are that people are going to put on you. Uh, we get cut to the next morning. She wakes up and sees all these messages. And then there's video. Everybody in the school thinks Amy's a legend now because she got arrested to save the party. Everyone else got away. Mm-hmm. And there's a hilarious video of her being led in cuffs to the car and she's just riffing about prisons she's like there are more prisons and colleges in the united (laughs) states did you know that it costs seventy one thousand to house an inmate in california that's more than harvard and then before she gets in the back she calls shotgun and it's probably my favorite my biggest laughs in the whole movie is probably that video um anyway um she goes molly uh, decides to go to prison uh, to visit amy and she apologizes they both apologize they make up this was always going to happen and i'm not upset that it does um but the biggest convenience in the entire movie which is full of conveniences is that walking into the prison molly sees a wanted poster and it's the pizza guy um and she is able to trade that information to get amy out of jail and again like you said, comparing to the real world in this movie. If that's not how jail works. Um, <laughs> Nothing in this movie is how anything works. <laughs> but uh, she's got um, Jared's car, which is this red rainbow Trans Am. Um, and uh, we get a fun scene of them driving to graduation in a speeding. They should be arrested five times on the way to graduation. Everyone at graduation is worried. What's going to happen? They're not here. And Jared comes up to the principal and says, well, she gave me... She told me to come in her stead and and give her speech. Um, So he starts giving the speech and the crowd kind of enjoys it. But then they show up and Molly gives a spontaneous speech. No prepared remarks here. The class loves it. Standing ovation. Um, And then uh, we get sort of the denouement here where we're Amy's packing up, uh, getting ready to go to Botswana. uh, And Hope comes to visit and bring some of her clothes back. And they flirt a bit outside and it keeps cutting to Molly in the window, losing her shit because she doesn't know (laughs) any of this. She doesn't know anything about what happened between them. All she knows is that Hope has been a jerk to them and now she's flirting with Amy. Um, And then Molly is dropping off Amy at the airport and they have a nice touching scene of, you know, we're good friends, I'll see you, yada, yada. Uh, And it actually gets really touching as Amy walks away. And they both shed tears and you realize that they're not in a relationship that is romantic, but they're tighter than a lot of friendships. Uh, and they're really going to feel the absence of each other. And before you can actually get emotional yourself, the movie basically slams on the brakes, literally, uh, and they decide to go get pancakes and maybe be late for the flight. Uh, and that is how we end. Um, Aaron, let us well, know some of your thoughts about... I have plenty. Uh, I will say, because you bring up the ending, I was just mentioning, uh, yeah, I think it was actually in our Slack, I was just mentioning how movies used to end so well uh, mm-hmm. in Taking of Pelham 123, which it, you guys have talked about on this podcast, oh, yeah. as one of the greatest endings in movie history. Yeah. Uh, and I was, I when I watched this, I was like, oh, see, some people still know how to end them. Like, this movie ends really, really well. You know, yeah. like, it, it gives you that burst out the door and uh, is exactly what it needs to be. 
it does go through a lot of the resolution stuff that modern movies have to do that older movies didn't necessarily feel like they had to do before then, but it still ends, ends really, really well. I, I think this is a great movie. I think it's a great comedy. I laugh so much during this movie. Um, I think it's supremely well written. I think it's very, I have to be careful when I say this because you, you can't always necessarily tell, but I think it is usually clear when a movie like this has been written and directed by women. And I, there's just something uh, about the poignancy to it, the specificness to it that I just think works. And you, know, you hear people talk about comedy is, you know, high percentage just being specific, right? Like that's what makes things funny is, is how specific they are. And I think you feel that in this movie. Um, as I mentioned, I, I loved seeing like people and going, oh, this is where I know them from now. I didn't know them then. Uh, Jessica Williams is Mrs. Fine, who comes and picks them up and ends up hooking up with the 20-year-old uh, student, uh, which we didn't talk about that uh, at all. No, um, um, but <laughs> it, it does lead to a good laugh at the end when AAA walks up and goes, wait, did you fuck Miss Fine? And then it just cuts away to another scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's in Shrinking now with Harrison Ford, and um, she's so good in that show. Uh so uh, I, I noticed her, Molly Gordon, you mentioned, is in The Bear. Uh, Mason Gooding, who is Nick, I believe, uh, the guy that uh, Beanie Feldstein's character is falling for. He's in the Scream movies now. He's one of that new Scream crew, uh, and he's really good in those. Um, I mentioned Skylar Gisondo. Billy Lord was just in Ticket to Paradise with Julia Roberts and, um, you know, the other guy, the guy that <laughs> played George Clooney, I think is his name. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so it's just fun to see all these people, uh, that you don't see. Um, I found myself while reviewing this Jeremy for the show, just writing down lines. I like, like yeah. it's that kind of movie where it's just like, I can talk about some of the meaningful things and I will, but I kind of just want to talk about, uh, that part where she says you failed seventh grade twice. And he goes, I don't know. Rule of threes. It's so funny to me. Uh, just something like that makes me laugh. You mentioned the singing where she's like, if you don't say something in the next 10 minutes, I'm going to take you to the hospital. <laughs> killing me. Uh, they go through that whole panda thing in the bedroom where she finds out that she masturbates with the panda. Uh, and she's, and she's doing all like this dirty talk from the perspective of the panda. <laughs> and she's like, does she say she's endangered to you? <laughs> Just like, oh, well, that panda two, comes you, back too. That's a it, great yes. There's there's a gag. there's a lot of good setup and payoff in this movie, which is another thing that makes a good comedy. And and uh, you know honestly, there's another part of this when I was reading because Olivia Wilde, who I don't think we talked uh, much about so far, directed this. She said to the cast right from the beginning, if something feels inauthentic to you, change it, make right. it your own. And I think you can feel that. She also uh, sent Caitlin Deaver and, and Beanie Feldstein uh, off to like live together for like yep. 10 weeks or something. So I just, I think you can really feel that uh, in the performances and uh, those kind of things. Um, Billy Lord is so good in this. Uh, <laughs> that moment where she's like, how are you even dry? And Billy Lord goes, how are you dry? <laughs> <laughs> they have great chemistry. You, know, that's, you have to have that for a good comedy to work. Yeah. But what's yeah. wild is that the original 
iterations of this movie, like Beanie Feldstein was auditioning to play a, a different character that they eventually wrote out of the script. And then Olivia Wilde came on and said, no, I want her to be the second lead. Um, so yeah, this, I think Olivia Wilde did so much right with this movie that uh, Don't Worry Darling can be over. We can forgive it. <laughs> Uh, I mean, for me, I'm, I would be yeah. still pretty interested to see what she does next because it's it's not just a funny comedy. There's a mm -hmm. lot of little touches in here that I think show, you know, a lot of deep thought. Oh, for sure. And one of the things I wanted to mention was you, you mentioned that you didn't like the scene, not because it was bad, but because uh, of how traumatic it is. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's by the way, the music they use in this is so good. It's so soundtrack. perfect. The whole yeah. soundtrack is so good. But my favorite needle drop is there. It's uh, Perfume Genius, Slip Away is the name of the song. Mm -hmm. um, and it starts playing and things go into slow motion. And, and, and it is so perfect for what happens for the next five minutes. Because that song is both like the joy and the beauty of finding something new and mysterious. And then it transitions so easily into the pain and trauma of realizing things aren't what you thought they were. Mm. Um, it's, it's really brilliant filmmaking. In fact, mm -hmm. I'm almost liable to see that like five minute section as its own short film that I love almost completely separate from the movie book smart, because honestly, yeah. The authentic stuff in this movie is good. There's some meaningful stuff that they're doing here, some meaningful stuff that they're saying, but it's harder for me to really dig into that when the whole movie is a little bit Looney Tunes, right? Like it's, you know, um, it's, it is possible and certainly movies can tiptoe that tone. But for me, like the authenticity uh, part starts to be a little harder when you've got all these things that just don't happen in the real world, um, you know, going on around it. It's like a distracting kind of thing, suspension mm -hmm. of disbelief kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but that scene, man, is so good. I think it's the best part from a filmmaking standpoint of the entire movie. Um, there's one other thing I wanted to mention. At one point when the, the pizza guy comes out, by the way, that whole thing where he's like, you don't know me. Why are you yeah. just giving me your information? It turns out later he's like a serial killer or whatever. Yeah as part of the plot, um, there's this thing he's saying when he's walking out, which is like two half sausage, two half cheese. That's just one sausage and one cheese, you idiots. Or something <laughs> like and I, I wanted to bring that up because my boys have all worked in pizza delivery uh, oh. in their times. They get that specific order. People will call in order two half sausage, two half cheese, it because that's their their pizza order and so like it's i well, the first time they told me about it i didn't realize it was in this movie and i was like boy people are dumb and now i'm thinking it's they're a reference referring they're ordering to the movie. it as a reference uh to wow. the movie so uh wow. anyhow i thought that was really uh really interesting i also don't understand ordering it that way wouldn't you just say two half sausage half cheese why do you have the second two in there Two half sausage, two half cheese. That sounds like four halves of a pizza and not two pizzas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be a half sausage. Um, half, yeah. Two half sausage, half cheese pizzas. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we're maybe going to have no time for questions. We'll see. But we have to first get to the super secret yeah. double feature. Be very, very quiet. Secret. What secret? A dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. Secret, secret, secret. 
That is Aaron's responsibility. It is my responsibility. I thought uh, I thought deeply about this one. Um, also, can I just say I felt really sorry for for these guys graduating from high school in 2019, knowing that the first couple years of their college experience were going to be uh, deep in COVID, uh, which is something I never thought about this movie when I saw it the first time. So that was interesting. Um, so as far as the double feature goes, uh, one of the influences that uh, Olivia Wilde mentioned for making of this film was Training Day. Training Day. And I was hmm. having a hard time like putting together how that works. So I briefly considered using Training Day as the secret double feature just to, uh, to mess with you. But uh, decided to go with something a little more female-focused. And it came down to either Thelma and Louise, which I thought might be uh, an interesting one in dealing with female friendship, uh, or this one, which I decided to go with. Uh, the super secret double feature is Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. Um, I think this speaks to both the idea of female friendship, uh -huh. both the idea of high school and what it means. It's a comedy. It's very, very funny. Performances are good. These two, it's Mira Sorvina. And our Servino and uh, Lisa Kudrow, they're really good together, um, and uh, and also written by a woman. So you know it's uh, it's it's got a lot going for it. So that is my super secret uh, double feature. I like it. You broke up a little bit on me in that one, and so I I didn't know what you picked until the picture popped up. But uh, <laughs> I like it a lot. Um, I haven't seen that movie. I built that movie uh, at the theater, uh, and I watched it the night before it opened, and that's the last time I saw it. Mm -hmm. I uh, I think that's a great pick. Um, what about homework, though? Have we talked about homework? Uh, so for next week, um, I'd like to kind of continue on in the year 2013. Uh, do a little decade retrospective, I guess, with the last couple recommends. Um, and go with Inside Lewin Davis. A oh. Coen Brothers movie that I think is criminally underseen. Um, I am not the only one who believes this is top five Cohen. Um, and that's mm. saying something when you start to think about the, uh, the list of Cohen brothers movies. Um, mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah, inside Lewin Davis is one of my favorites. I think it's really great. I'm looking very much forward to getting out the magnifying glass and watching it again and, and having a good conversation about it. So that will be next week's homework. Awesome. Awesome. Is that streaming anywhere or are we renting this It is this on one? Showtime and by relation Paramount Plus. Okay. Uh, so those two services are now combined. So if you have uh -huh. Paramount Plus, you should have access to it. Uh, if not, if you have Showtime on your cable provider or whatever, it uh, should be available to stream there. So keep making changes to these things. So I tried to watch a baseball game on Peacock two days ago. Yeah. And they were like, Oh, you need to upgrade to Peacock Premium for $5 more a month to watch this baseball game. And I'm like, uh, I'm not going to do that. Uh, that's what, see, see, Jeremy, that's why I just do the premium ad free, the highest I can pay right from the beginning. That way they can't ever do that to me. So, yeah. <laughs> but you, but, uh, but, okay. Well, anyway, um, let's do a question or two and then uh, sure. let's get out of here so everybody can go have a 4th of July grill out or fish and chips or whatever I saw in that chat. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. Okay, here's one. Name a place in a movie you really want to go on vacation, real or fictional. Um, I did both, real and fictional. Uh, and I think the fictional one I'll start with because it's 
uh, a little more broad, um, but like if I can go anywhere in fictional, uh, I know this is taking my life into my own hands. I want to go see Jurassic World. I, I want to go to that amusement park. Like that looked amazing. I mean, I know everybody died, but like it looked really, really cool. Should be worth um, it. <laughs> totally worth it. Uh, I also mentioned Helm's Deep. I thought would be really cool to to actually uh, exist as a real place and go on vacation too. So interesting. Uh, interesting. Those are my my two uh, fictional ones. Um, all right. So I love visiting places in real life that I've seen in movies. It, it gives me a very unique rush. Um, so when Chris and I went to uh, see the Redwoods in San Francisco. Um, where they had shot some of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, that was awesome, but also the Redwoods. Um, that's a top 10 experience of my entire life, seeing those trees. Um, and the restaurant Tavern on the Green at uh, Central Park, uh, ate there when we went to New York, and that's in several movies. Um, and then um, the beach from the movie The Beach is my real place I would like to go. I think I don't want the journey... It seems rather difficult to get to, um, but if you could boat me there and I could see that circular, pristine It's gorgeous, beach, man. It's yeah. incredible. I wonder um, if it still looks like that. I don't know. You have to wonder if that movie didn't bring a whole bunch of unwanted gawkers and tourists and whatnot. I doubt there are real militant marijuana farmers on the island, um, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I bet it turned it into like the stairs in the Joker movie. Right? I did. Uh, I did find uh, my notes, and uh, the real places I would want to go are uh, Petra in Jordan from Last Crusade. Uh, is a really cool place. Yeah. Uh, and then the Moon from First Man. I would love. I would love to go to the Moon. That is a real place that uh, I think would be cool to go to. So. Awesome. The moon. A <laughs> uh, fictional place, I wrote the wrong name, but I want to go to Gusto's from Ratatouille. Um, or, and this is very similar to your Jurassic one, uh, Hawthorne from The Menu. Right, um, yes. Only I don't want to die. Uh, I just want to eat the food. Um, or the food truck restaurant from the end of the movie Chef, where they're making those Cubano mm. sandwiches. Um, mm -hmm. And again, my, so most of my thing turns to food, no matter what the question is. Uh, I'm starting to realize this about myself. Uh, yeah. One more question, then we'll say goodbye. What would be your favorite sin from a movie you know you will never make a video for? Um, this is an interesting question because there are actually the, the longer we do this, the fewer and fewer movies we would never send. There are still some on that list, but like right. we're, we're finding ways to send new and interesting things. Like the one I chose, uh, sound of music. I can actually maybe see us sending that, you know, at some point, but you know, it's like one of those you wouldn't think necessarily, uh, we would send. um, so yeah, so I did the sound of music um, with sins like climbing the Alps into the thin elevation air and still having the breath support to sing like that. Uh, more like <laughs> the hills are out of breath with the sound of wheezing. Um, and then a sin that was simply matching curtain clothing. That seems like a sin to me. Yes. Uh, and then uh, I am creepy going on statutory uh, would be a. <laughs> <laughs> you put so much more thought into answering the question than I did because I didn't write a sin the way that I would actually write it for a video. I just named a thing that I would point out as a sin. But for the Muppets Take Manhattan, um, 
there's no way a single frog's voice from the top of the Empire State Building would carry to the ground. That's absurd. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, it's true. Uh, all right, everybody. Thank you to the chat for coming out. You guys are awesome on a holiday, weighing in and giving us feedback. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's show. Next week's homework is Inside Lewin Davis. And uh, we'll see you next time, everybody. Goodbye. Bye, guys. Be a part of the live show by being a member of the Sin Club at Patreon at patreon.com slash cinemasins. Chat with us on the Cinemasins Discord at discord.gg slash cinemasins or Cinemasins Twitter at cinemasins. And email any comments or questions to recotopia at cinemasins.com. That's R-E-C-O-T-O-P-I-A at cinemasins.com. I like it. Jamming. Just getting a vibe. I'm, Just getting a vibe. I'm having a day. My debit card was uh, stolen. Yeah, I saw the tweet. I I messaged Chris, um, and so I was just letting him know, and he was like, why does this happen to you so much? So I'm like, does it not ever happen to you? This has happened to me like six times in the last ten years. That does seem like a lot. Yeah, and it's frustrating, but I appreciate the fact that technology has gotten to the place where every single time the bank knows it's not me. Right. And messages me and says you didn't make this did you you didn't purchase this did you and i go no and they go all right we're canceling this card and sending you a new one uh it happens a lot more today than it ever has again because of technology but it's also one of the reasons i've started to try when possible to set up automatic withdrawals as uh bank withdrawals and not debit card withdrawals because i am so sick of those occasional moments where I have to change like, you know, 30 different, you know, services or whatever to a new card. Yeah. Uh, that, and like, I literally opened up Adobe and it was like, you need to update your card. Your card <laughs> yep. is not the right card. Yep. And I'm like, are you checking my card every single damn day? <laughs> and if it goes down, you panic? Like, well, how, how am I getting this alert 12 hours uh, after I found out the card was Adobe knows almost as soon as I know that my card is canceled. That's, that's right. Now, thankfully, they're letting me use the, the, pro, the software to record this shit. But Well, there you go. See, who, who said those tech bros were all bad? Uh, they're pretty much all bad. Well, I uh, this morning decided to put on Superman 2. Um, I have never seen it before. I've seen, oh my. I've seen parts like I've seen the Niagara Falls scene, um, mm -hmm. in, a, you know, other parts I'm sure I've seen as well, but I've never like actually just like watched the movie. So it's been in my list to, to catch up on. And, uh, I just noticed for the first time and maybe somebody else has said this, I don't know, but Christopher Reeves, Clark Kent sounds so much like Kermit the Frog to me. <laughs> like... <laughs> That's not what I expected you to say. He's just like, oh, hi, Lois. Uh. <laughs> There's this song that I like that played on the radio for several months that my wife started calling the Kermit song because mm. when I sing along to it, there's one line where I sound like Kermit. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's called... Uh, go out and see the world, I think is the name of the song. And it's like, go out and see the world. And you know, I sound like Kermit the Frog when I sing that line. Did you like Superman 2 other than the I'm, Kermit song? I'm about 45 minutes from being done. Um, oh, I I'm, I'm enjoying myself. I like it. Like, 
the execution does not hold up. Uh, right. There's lots of really bad green screening in this movie. Like mm-hmm. noses disappear uh, on occasion. Like it's it's not great. Um, but uh, but it's fun. I, like so far, Lex Luthor is only in it just because they had to get him in it. Like the, like yeah. he's serving no. When you make the the story about you know more gods fighting the existing god, like the puny man doesn't necessarily have much to do um yeah. but he's so good in that role he's fun to watch anyway um yeah i'm, I'm enjoying it all right it's it's fine it's uh, you know i give it its grace for being you know 40 years old or whatever yeah um i think james gunn was on a podcast or something talking about how that lex luther gene hackman's lex luther is not how he likes to picture lex luther because he's so comedic and kind of goofy uh and of course, the internet being the internet, they decided that meant he hates Gene Hackman. And he had to like tweet out, like, I love Gene Hackman. I just prefer a more serious Lex Luthor. And, um, but those you know, movies it, are that tone, right? Like, it's the whole not, movies are. Yeah. 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 And I, I don't think they're going for a, a serious kind. I really like Superman, too. Um, I remember as a kid, I preferred it to the first one because mm-hmm. I liked those three aliens. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things I think Zack Snyder did do really well is in Man of Steel, when those three same aliens come to Smallville uh-huh. and they have that huge fight with Superman. Right. Uh, I think that's really like that shows you what technology and talent mm-hmm. has come to in the last 40 years. And so you watch, I don't know if you're to the point yet, I doubt you are, where he's fighting all three of them in the city. No, they're just, they have just invaded the hick town, uh, you know. So he fights both, all three of them in the big city, Metropolis. And, you know, it's, it's as a kid, it's really cool. I'm guessing you're going to see some bad green screen, but <laughs> it's, it doesn't hold up anywhere near as realistic as what, you know, Man of Steel did with that, that same kind of fight. Anyway. Are you, do you like Man of Steel at all? I kind of do. Like, yeah, me too. I don't really want to get too public on snyder related stuff sure I, sure sure i love the way he shoots superman flying the way he's like a jet going hypersonic and mm-hmm. there's that smoke trail around him yeah love kevin costner in that movie um i love the main theme the the score mm-hmm. yeah uh and diane lane is great i hate the i hate tornado get everybody under the <laughs> overpass i'm gonna stay out here and die unnecessarily i hate Correct. that unnecessary um, sacrifices man and then you know by the end i don't really appreciate the thousands of innocent people killed while they throw each other through buildings even though it kind of looks cool i actually right. like russell crowe that little bit with him and um lois lane on the alien ship where he's like guiding her through now go here now go here um but yeah i like it i think it's probably one of the best dc movies snyder made maybe the best yeah yeah i've, I've always dug it um I've, I've found it very enjoyable uh the first time i watched it and um as the as the dc universe or whatever kind of stumbled and made some mistakes i, I still kind of held a place in my heart for for man of steel so um yeah i think it's pretty good speaking of russell crowe i saw the yeah. pope's exorcist oh my uh i've heard good things it is a great performance, but this movie has decided to make like uh, 
exorcism like like the wwe like it's like i mean it's just it's so weird to me because it's like this thing that horror movies have used for a long time um and it's usually with this like under pinning of like serious like evil and those can and this movie is just like he's gonna body slam the devil you know like it's, it's, it's so weird to me i don't know it's like, yeah maybe that's not for me maybe i'll skip that one uh yeah it's well and then of course content wise it's you know there's there's lots of uh demon blood puking and all sorts of fun stuff so Gross. you know yeah i mean i get i get that People like that stuff, and I get why they like that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I just, I'm never going to like that stuff. Correct. Um, I don't you know, count I, myself among that. As One as Cut well. of the Dead is about as close as I can get to enjoying <laughs> uh, lots of blood because it's so obvious. Well, the point of the fake. movie is that it's fake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, like, yeah, I don't necessarily. I mean, I love V for Vendetta. Um, love it. But that movie's too bloody. I don't think that yeah. movie, like, Whenever he fights, especially at the end when he goes to kill the second to biggest bad guy in the subway, like there's so much blood. Yeah. The way I usually say it to uh, my horror fan friends when they try to, to convince me is, look, for me, being scared and being grossed out are bad experiences. I yeah. don't go through my life seeking bad experiences. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know? yeah, I don't go to haunted houses, especially gosh, modern haunted houses. Yeah, I would wouldn't last three minutes because now they like actively touch you and scare you and chase you and like. Right. No, why? Why? Why would I want that? I used to <laughs> I used to feel the same way about angry music. I've changed my perspective, but in college, I used to say, I think angry music only makes people angrier. Hmm. Um, and I don't think that's true anymore because no. I've met people who both enjoy and make angry music uh, who are not angry people. Um, and uh, so I've changed my perspective, but I, but I don't like angry music because for me, all that does is make me anxious. That's like, mm -hmm. like, that's like episode six of the bear season two <laughs> on repeat. I'm just like, I can appreciate the musicianship, but no, please go away. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm well aware and I've had these conversations as well that there are things that I do value in my entertainment that would be considered um stuff that people uh like a negative experience for someone. For instance, sure. like uh for some people um you know having a a traumatic deep conversation with a loved one is, you know, not something they want to experience, but for me that is a like a, a really interesting way to have empathy for an experience, you know, that I might not have or, you know, mm. something like that. Whereas mm. I'm not finding my empathy way into horror movies. Like I'm not finding a way to at least at least the ones that are, you know, more shock intensive. Um, we can talk about elevated horror, at, you know, if you want. But, the, the you know, the, I'm not finding my empathy ways into, you know, oh, somebody's head got chopped off. Okay, well, yeah. I don't need to experience what that feels like through someone else's eyes. That's that's not interesting to me. And I don't know, I don't know, I'm, I don't want to define elevated horror, but I do think there's something about the job that you and I do that breaks down some of the, 
facade of a horror movie. Sure. I mean, Chris and I used to say horror movies were the funnest ones to make videos on because if you if you take them at face value, they're the most ridiculous movies ever made. Yeah. And they be they become hilarious. Um, and I think that has I used to hate horror movies. Uh, and so between doing this job and then some of the horror that has come around in the last five to ten years, especially the stuff that Ty West has been doing, uh, really started to open my eyes to how some horror movies use that stuff to punctuate really human stories. Mm -hmm. um, sure. And, you know, they're not all just blood and guts for the sake of it. Certainly plenty of them are. And mm -hmm. those I, will, I don't think I'll ever take to. Um, but um, yeah, well, but the violence is like sex, right? Like it can be gratuitous or it can be meaningful. Like, you know, like the, it's, it's a part of the human experience. Violence is part of the human experience. Sure. But it's, yeah, it's depending on how it's used, it can feel exploitative, uh, you know, in one way or another. Um, which is why I think, you know, when you think of things like torture porn or those kind of things, I think the pornography uh, adverb adjective to it is appropriate, right? Because it's the idea of taking something that's a, a normal, you know, part of the human experience and then exploiting it to get that, you know, that, exploiting that, it and grossly exaggerating it and correct. streaming it. Yeah. Yeah. 